0: open God's Word this morning to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we will begin reading at verse 25 and we will read through verse 40. And this is the narrative, the conversation between Jesus and the multitudes who came to Him the day after He had performed the miracle of the feeding of 5,000. John chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. And when they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said unto Him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek Me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth. It, perisheth but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto Him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on Him whom He hath sent. They said therefore unto Him, What sign showest thou then? that we may see and believe thee. What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We end our scripture reading at that point. The text for this morning's sermon is verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. As a minister, when preparing my sermons, there are times that I wish that I could send a survey, a poll, out to the congregation to ask some question. And if I had that right or privilege, In this past week, I would have sent out one particular question to ask the congregation. What is it that keeps you from coming to Christ? So that for the unbelievers sitting in the pew, the question is, why have you never turned to Him in true faith? What's keeping you back from believing on Him for salvation? And for the believers sitting in the pews, the question would be why are you so hesitant, reluctant to bring that sin that you've committed to the foot of the cross and seek forgiveness? You've come to Him before. Why are you not coming to Him again? If that question had been sent out and you as a congregation gave honest answers in response, I have no doubt there would be a wide array of different responses given, but I'm guessing that among all of the different answers, there would be a common theme. I'm afraid to come because I'm afraid of being turned away. I dare not come Because my sins are so great, my sorrow is so minimal, and my works are so few, I'm afraid I will be rejected because I am so unworthy of coming to Christ. Does that thinking ring true for you, child of God? Is that what you feel in your heart this morning? Well, this passage is the answer to that thinking. Here we have Christ's own response to such hesitation, to such reluctance when He tells us in John 6, verse 37, Him that cometh to Me, I will in no wise cast out. He will receive all those who come in true faith. He will not turn anyone away. And that's the Word of God we need this morning. Especially with a view of coming to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ and partaking of this sacrament. For in the week gone by, we have examined ourselves. We have analyzed our lives in the light of God's Word. And if we've done this seriously, if we have spent any amount of time doing this, what we have found was not pretty. What we have found is a heart full of sin. And therefore we might hesitate. May I really partake? I'm such a sinner. Would it be better if I refrain from coming to the table this morning? If I do come, am I going to eat and drink judgment to myself? To that sort of thinking. Christ Himself speaks when He tells us, Him that cometh to Me, I will in no wise cast out. And thus there's an encouragement for us this morning to come to Jesus Christ by faith. Whether for the first time or for the thousandth time, come to Jesus. Believe in Him. And so let's consider this passage using as our theme coming to Christ by faith. Three points this morning. First, we'll see coming to Him, coming without fear of rejection. Second, coming as those chosen and drawn. And third, coming with confidence of preservation. Coming, first of all, without fear of rejection. Second, coming as those chosen and drawn. Third, coming with the confidence of the assurance of preservation. The clear and consistent calling that's implied in this chapter, John 6, is to come to Jesus Christ, to believe in Him. And that's really on the foreground in the text that we're considering. Two different times in verse 37, we find that language. All that the Father hath given to me shall come to me, And then in the second half, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And in light of the context, we understand that coming to Jesus Christ is a matter of believing in Jesus Christ, trusting in him for salvation. And that's evident from verse 35. If we back up a little bit in the context, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. There's that same language. But now he basically repeats it using different language and explains what he meant by coming when he says, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. To come to Jesus Christ is to believe in Jesus Christ. And again, that's the implied calling found throughout this chapter. So that at the beginning of this discourse, Jesus told those to whom He was talking in verse 29, this is the work of God, that ye believe on Him whom He hath sent. And then again in verse 47, He tells them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on Me hath everlasting life. So the clearly implied calling is to believe in Jesus Christ. But it is notable that He uses that word, come. That He does not just say, believe again and again, or trust again and again, but come. Because coming implies movement. Motion from one place to another. And it's teaching us about what it is to believe, in, to believe in Jesus Christ that it involves abandoning every other imagined Savior or source of salvation. It means turning away from supposing that I can save myself. And instead... Drawing near unto, approaching, coming unto Jesus Christ, looking to him, and nowhere else. And clearly we are to come to Jesus Christ. He says in the verse, in verse 37, him, "That cometh to me, we come to Christ, not to some place, not even to the church. Not even to a certain system of doctrines, not even to the sacraments. All of those are good, important. But not one of those things can save us. Only Christ can save us, and therefore we come to Christ. And we come to Him for everything. We come to His blood for washing. We come to His righteousness for our justification. We come to His wounds for healing. We come to His broken body for nourishment, for strength. Everything that we need is found in Jesus Christ and therefore we come to Jesus Christ alone by faith. All that is clearly implied in this passage. But it's really not the main point. Because the passage is not put in the imperative. This is not in the form of a command, come to Jesus Christ. It's implied. But the main point is really an encouragement to come knowing that Jesus Christ will not turn away any who come in true faith. And that's evident from the very last part of the verse when He says, "In Him that cometh to Me, I will in no wise cast out... And with those words, I will in no wise cast out, Jesus is addressing our fears, our reluctance, our hesitancy to come to Him. He's saying to us, I'm not going to refuse anyone who comes for help. I'm not going to turn away those who look to me in true faith. I'm not going to reject any who come." But instead, I will receive, I will welcome all those who come to me in true faith. And really, he's, he's saying it's not even a possibility that he would turn someone away. That's what comes out in the specific language here. You'll notice that in the King James, it does not just say, in him that cometh to me, I will not cast out. But we have this unique phrase, this expression, I will in no wise cast out. And what the King James is doing is capturing the force, the strength of the original Greek. In the original language, it reads this way, He that cometh to me, I will not, not cast out. Now in the English language, with the rules of grammar we have, we can't put it that way. Not, not. Really, the the two nots would cancel each other out. But in the Greek language, if you say not, not, You're emphasizing the point. You are making the negation as strong as possible. So that what Jesus Christ is saying here is I will most certainly never ever cast away, turn away anyone who comes to Me. It's not even a possibility. And is that not encouragement to come to Him? believe in Jesus Christ, to trust in Him. You may come to Him regardless of your background, of your status. For you'll notice there's no description of the person who may come to Him. It just simply states it clearly. Him that cometh to Me. And what that's telling us is that Anyone may come, whether he's Jew or Greek, male or female, bond or free, rich or poor, someone who is well-known, someone who's obscure. There's no description of the, the Him that may come. It's telling us everyone may come. And what is more, there's no Conditions that we have to fulfill first. There's no prerequisites that we have to meet prior to coming to Jesus Christ because the text does not say Him that cometh to me with sufficient sorrow. It does not say Him that comes feeling badly enough for his sins. It does not say Him that cometh to me with redoubled efforts to live a godly life. It simply says, Him that Cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And thus, in this passage, Christ Himself is answering all of our objections. He addresses every one of our fears with those beautiful words Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Hear Him say those words to you, child of God. but I'm such a great sinner, you say. Christ says, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. But I have not yet conquered that sin in my life. Those sinful desires are still there this morning even as I walked into church. Christ says, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. But my repentance is so weak. My sorrow of heart is is not as deep as it should be, you say. Christ says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I do not pray as I ought. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I have nothing to bring to Him. And He says again, Him that cometh to Me, I will in no wise cast out. Child of God, bring whatever objection you have and voice it. And this is the answer to every single one of them. To every fear, to every concern that he's going to turn me away on account of my great sinfulness, his answer to every one of them is Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's the good news of the gospel. That it's not on account of my worthiness. I don't have to earn my way to him. Really, all of those objections are really betraying that I'm still thinking about the gospel in the terms, in legal terms, in a in a works righteousness framework. And it's over against all of that thinking that the clear message of the gospel is Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So come to Christ. And after you've come, then see that you came because you were first chosen and drawn. We come as those who are chosen and drawn. That's the explanation for why any would come at all. And we say that in light of the first half of the verse which we have not really touched so far because the verse begins, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And there's really two ideas being expressed in that. And first of all, what we see is that standing behind our coming to Jesus Christ by faith is God's choosing us as his own. And we say that in light of the wording here where Jesus Christ speaks of those that the Father giveth me. And now, what's helpful is that this is not the only passage where we have that language of those that the Father has given to Jesus Christ. And when we look more broadly, we can begin to understand who is this group of people that the Father has given to the Son. And we receive instruction when we go down to verse 39, for example and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which He hath given me, same language, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. So that those given from the Father to Jesus Christ are those whom He's going to preserve and those whom He's going to raise again at the last day unto life. Another passage in this respect that's very helpful is John chapter 10. Verses 27 and following. John 10 verses 27 and following "My sheep, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all who were, who was it given to Christ from the Father? His sheep? Those who know Christ, who follow Jesus Christ, who've been given eternal life, who will never perish. And we could continue on with passages this morning that use this similar language. John 17 is full of them, but when you put them all together, it becomes very clear that those that the Father gave to the Son are those that the Father chose unto everlasting life. It's talking about election those that the Father set His love upon in all eternity. They were the fathers to begin with because He chose them. But then He, he gave them to the Son. He, he entrusted them to the care of the Son. That is, He, he gave them to the Son with us. Son is the head of this people and the representative of this people to accomplish their salvation for them. And when we read this language of the Father giving to the Son, wonder wonders, we're, we are being given an opportunity to listen in on the intra-Trinitarian planning of our redemption. This language is giving us a a glimpse, a peek into the divine council chamber. The Father gave His elect people to the Son to save them. And that by itself is is noteworthy before we get to the, the second theological truth being taught here. Because it means that standing behind our salvation is the eternal love of our Father. So it's not the case that Jesus Christ came into this world to placate an angry Father to win the Father over for us. That's not the message of Scripture. The message of Scripture is that our salvation traces its source back to the Father's initiative and His love in choosing us as His own and giving us to the Son. And really, the fact that the Son's even sent, that's because of the Father's love for us. And thus He's given us to the Son who has redeemed us. And now by the power of the Spirit, He draws us to Himself. And that's the second aspect of this first half of the verse that we need to see, it sees that we come as those who were chosen in eternity, but it also shows us that we come as those who are drawn in time by the power of the Spirit. And that comes out, again, in light of the wording, verse 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. We shall come. It does not say all that the Father giveth to Me might come. Perhaps will come. Most likely, no. All that the Father giveth Me shall come. And all. Not most of them are going to come. Not all, but with one or two exceptions. All of them. Every last one shall come. So that what this passage is teaching us is that when God chooses us as His own, when He decrees our salvation, it's guaranteed that we will be brought to saving faith. And we might ask, well, how does that work? And the answer is found in the context, namely that by the power of His Spirit, He draws us to Himself. We say that in light of verses 44 and 65. Verse 44 No man can come to Me except the Father which hath sent Me. Draw Him. Verse 65, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto Me except it were given unto him of My Father. We are drawn unto Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. So that... There's important theology embedded into all this. There's the the doctrine of what we call effectual calling. God's work to call us out of darkness into His marvelous light. His work to work within us saving faith and to draw out that saving faith. And we speak of this as an effectual calling because it's effective. When God calls us, it always has the, the intended result that He had planned out in it. He draws us by His irresistible grace so that we do indeed come. And it's this truth of effectual calling and His drawing us to Himself that that links together the other parts of the verse. We started with the calling to come, believe, trust that comes to the believer. To the individual sitting in the pew. Come to Jesus Christ. But then we said, well really standing behind that is God's decree of election. Why would we come? Well, because He chose us. But now, how do we connect those two truths of election and our coming to Jesus Christ willingly and consciously by faith? And what bridges the gap is this doctrine of the effectual calling in God's work to draw us to Himself. And understand that by teaching this, This in no way contradicts or undermines the the very real calling to come to Jesus Christ, to believe in Him. Because when the Spirit draws us to Jesus Christ, He does not grab us by the hair of our head and drag us to Christ. He does no violence against our will. He does not bring us unwillingly to Jesus Christ, but instead He works in us to make us willing. That is, He sweetly but firmly bends our wills so that we come. He draws us us with cords of love so that we want to come. And therefore, it's both that God draws irresistibly and the believer comes willingly. Those are not contradictions. Both are true at the same time. And therefore, there is the calling to come to Jesus Christ. And therefore, if anyone is thinking, well, But how can I come if I do not know that I was given to the Son from the Father? How can I come if I do not know I'm elect? Well, that thinking's all backwards because you cannot know that you're an elect child of God. You cannot know that you were given from the Father to the Son until you've come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore, set that question aside and simply hear the call of the Gospel, come to Jesus Christ. Believe in Him. Trust in Him for your salvation. And then after you've come, after you have by faith looked to Jesus Christ for your salvation, then you will come to see, ah, yes, I came because He chose me. I came because He drew me to Himself. And my faith is now the evidence that the Father gave me to the Son. Come to Jesus Christ by faith. And come with this confidence, with this assurance, that He will preserve you in your salvation. For that too is a part of this passage. This passage is not only a promise, that Jesus Christ will receive all of those who come to Him in true faith. But more than that, it's a promise that He will keep. That He will preserve all of those who come to Him in true faith. That He will not subsequently cast us out after we've come to Him. And we say that in light of the language of the text as well as the context. Because, Verse 37, the end, says him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And the reality is that to be cast out really implies that you are already in. So that probably the main thing that Jesus is communicating here is not so much that He's going to receive us, that's true, but that rather the main thing is having received us, He's not going to throw us out afterward. And the context confirms that. Because when we come to verse 39, we read, and this is the Father's will which hath sent Me, that of all which He hath given Me, I should lose nothing. He will preserve us. So that what we have here is the doctrine of the preservation of the saints. That all those whom the Father chose and gave to the Son to redeem and who were drawn by the power of the Spirit, all of them will certainly be brought to eternal glory. Not one of them will be lost. That's the truth being taught here. That not one of His sheep will ever be snatched away. Though the roaring lion, the devil, may sink his teeth into us for a time, our Good Shepherd will surely come and rescue us, smiting that lion. And so faithful, so mighty is our Good Shepherd that for one of His sheep to go lost, Christ Himself would have to be pulled down from heaven and stuffed back in the grave. It's not possible. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And it's this blessed truth that addresses our fears of eventually being rejected on account of our sin. There's the one fear on the front end of, well, I'm so sinful, He's not going to receive me. He's just going to turn me away and say, get away. But there's the other fear that having come to Christ, because I continue to sin, because I continue to fail, that He's going to reach the point where He says, I'm done with you. I've forgiven you too many times. It's it's over. You had your chance. And now I'm casting you out. This passage addresses that fear. It makes clear that's not a possibility. For He tells us, Him that cometh to Me, I will in no wise cast out. It's never ever going to happen that someone comes to Me in true faith and then having believed in Me, I'm going to throw them out subsequently after that. Unless there's encouragement for us to keep on coming to Him again and again and again all throughout our lives. And it's with that encouragement that we come to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper this morning. Perhaps we hesitate on account of our sins. But I really messed up this time. This surely is one of the greatest sins I've ever committed, you say. Christ says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I've sinned against better knowledge. I've sinned against grace that makes my sin all the worse, you say. Christ says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I've committed the sin for the thousandth time. This is my besetting sin. It's been there my whole life and I fell into it again this week. Christ says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I didn't prepare myself. Last week, we were told to examine ourselves so that we can come properly. And I I really didn't even spend any time doing that. I just gave it a, a lick and a promise. And Christ says, Him that cometh to Me, I will in no wise cast out. And then you bring your final objection but I'm not worthy to come. To which Christ says, come on the basis of My worthiness. Because that is the only way you may come. Abandoning any notion that you can save yourself Forgetting about any idea that you are worthy because of anything that you have done. And coming to Christ alone. Child of God, no matter how little fruit there is in your life, Child of God, no matter how many sins you've committed in the week gone by, this promise stands firm. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, we rejoice to know the good news of the gospel that whosoever cometh to Jesus Christ will in no wise be cast out. Father, strengthen our faith and direct us to our Savior Jesus Christ in whom alone is salvation. And bless now the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Strengthen our faith. Assure us. For Thou knowest how prone we are to doubts. Hear this prayer for Christ's sake. Amen.